really powerful. Thank you very, very much. Well, I'd like to ask you, if you would, please to turn your Bible to Acts chapter 1. Um, I do want to say thank you. I see some more folks here from, uh, even from uh, adding to the group from Sunday school, and uh, we've been your missionaries to Cameroon for many, many years, and I want to thank you all for your faithful partnership through the years, and now it's a joy to be here this week uh, as uh, the Executive Director of Baptist World Mission, and to be here uh, speaking for your missions conference with these other missionaries uh, sent uh, with uh, Baptist World Mission, and, and we are just really, really grateful for the privilege and opportunity to be with you this week, and trusting that God's going to work in our hearts through this theme of around the corner, around the world. We did not have this planned out, but uh, that Acts chapter 1, verse 8 is definitely a verse that comes to mind when I think of that theme, and so Pastor Ledbetter just read that verse. Let's all stand together, if you would, please. I'm going to read just a few around that. Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. The Bible says, When they therefore were come together, Acts chapter 1, verse 6, they asked him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Let's pray together. Father, we do ask you once again that you would work in our hearts and that each and every one of us who are here this week, beginning in this service, would determine even now as we pray that we would yield to your direction in our lives this week. Father, I'm so grateful for a church that has been praying and preparing and planning for you to do a work in our hearts. We are expecting you to work in our hearts this week, and I pray that we would say yes as your spirit takes your word and challenges us this week, for we pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. It is wise and good to get, kind of give a context uh, to a passage when preaching, and um, Pastor Ledbetter already mentioned that this is kind of the theme verse, the introduction. Uh, really, what we just read there is the outline of the book of Acts. But uh, even in the context of the Bible as a whole, I always like to emphasize the program that God is doing. I think one time when I was here, I... I quoted uh, what um, my missions professor when I was in Bible college called the eternal purpose of God. That phrase comes from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 11. And Dr. Daryl Champlin, who was my missions professor, uh, had us quote, every day in class, when we come to missions class, the eternal purpose of God is to call out from every kindred, tribe, people, and nation a multitude redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, for whom he will crown his son, the lion of the tribe of Judah, king of kings and lord of lords forever. When we look at the Bible, we see that purpose. If you start in Genesis chapters 1 and 2, you see this description 
of this perfect world. And you see God giving the very first commandment. Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply and fill up the earth with people. I want a perfect world filled with red and yellow, black and white, people from every tribe on world. I want a world filled with people who will serve me and worship me forever and ever and ever for my honor and glory. That was God's plan. And then we get to chapter 3. And man messed up everything. We rebelled against God. We fell into sin. The entire universe is now groaning because the entire universe is fallen with man in what is going on here on earth. And so from chapter 3 on forward, even the promise that God gave in chapter 3, we see God in this wonderful plan This wonderful plan of redemption, God preparing the way, the truth, and the life. God preparing a way that we might have a right relationship with God. And when we get to the end of the Bible, the last two chapters of the Bible look very, very much like the first two chapters. I mean, the descriptions, the tree of life, the river. I mean, the the picture is, it's, it's what God intended things to be. You know, we look out over the world today and we see all the mess and the problems, but God has a plan. God is coming back as he promised, and he's going to make everything straight and right once again. He is going to, as we see in those last two chapters, we see the fulfillment of God's eternal purpose. We see the throne, and we see this multitude that can't even be counted. People, as the Bible says, from every kindred, tribe, tongue, and nation of the earth, worshiping and serving God forever and ever for his glory. That, that, that is God's plan. That is God's program in the world today. And yet, as we shared in Sunday school, there are still hundreds and hundreds of people groups, tribes in the world today, who have yet to hear the gospel message. What are we going to do about that? What are we going to do? How how are we going to get involved in that program that God is involved in right now as we sit here this morning? What are we going to do? Well, we just read, and we're going to look at this morning, the very last words that Jesus gave to his disciples, his followers there in Acts chapter 1 particularly verses 7 and 8, verses 6 and 7, and then verse 8. Let's look at those words again. In Acts chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, we see a question. The disciples asked this question. When they therefore were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? Are you going to make everything right right now? Are you going to fulfill your program Now, is this the time? Verse 7, And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. I've been thinking about this a lot lately as I I see people commenting on what's going on in Israel right now. And and I see comments like, We see prophecy fulfilled before our very eyes. And people are getting excited and people are getting anxious. But you know what? That should not be our focus right now. Yes, God has a program for Israel, and it is coming, all right? But God has a program for us right now, the church. 
And he's explaining that to us right now. And he says to the disciples, I, I know you guys are excited. There's a lot of stuff going on right now, okay? But guys, look, I've been teaching you the last three years what I want you to be doing. And it doesn't have anything to do with what's going on in Israel necessarily, all right? God has a program, and this is what he says to them. It's not for you to worry about the times or the seasons. That's what he says. That's my first point. Don't worry about the times or the seasons. Don't worry about, well, anything, really, but this idea of times and seasons. I took up my phone because this week I, I came across this idea. Uh, maybe you've heard the name Edgar Wiesnant, or Wiesnant, all right? This guy wrote a book in 1988. It was, it was called, here it is, 88 Reasons Why the Rapture Will Be in 1988. That book sold 4.5 million copies. He, in his generosity and intensity, mailed 300,000 free copies to pastors all over the United States. And guess what? Jesus did not come back in 1988. So he wrote another book in 1989. The Final Shout, Rapture Report, 1989. Basically, it was 89 reasons why the rapture was going to happen in 1989. And then he wrote another book in 1993, 23 reasons why a pre-tribulation rapture looks like it will occur on this particular date in 1993. It's getting a little bit weaker now. It, it, it might occur now, okay? And then in 1994, and now the Earth's destruction by fire, nuclear, bomb, fire, and that was a prediction in 1994. You know what? That guy wasted his life in ministry by worrying about the times and seasons. We look at the, uh, the world around us today, and there is incredible fear about the weather and the climate and the times and seasons. And you know what? The Bible says plainly in Genesis that until Christ comes back and makes everything right, there will be seed time and harvest. You can go to sleep tonight and not worry about the times and seasons and the climate. You can trust God that he's going to take care for you. And God has a program. And it doesn't involve us worrying and prophesying about what might or might not happen over in Israel in the next weeks, months, and years ahead. God has a, a program, and he wants you to get involved in it. We don't need to worry about the times or seasons. In fact, we shouldn't be worried about anything. Right. Brother Will, I was in a conference with Brother Will last week. He preached an excellent message from Philippians chapter 4 and how fear and anxiety paralyze us so many times in our lives. That, that beautiful song that was just sung referred to how often fear prevents people from surrendering their lives to missions. You know what? Maybe there's something in your heart and life this morning and you're kind of anxious. Oh boy, we're going to a missions conference. How, how, do I, how do I keep the Holy Spirit from really pricking me? Because I don't want to go to Africa. I don't want to go to wherever. Fill in the blank, all right? Fear and anxiety. Jesus says to his disciples, right before he ascends, he says, look guys, don't worry about the times and seasons. In fact, don't worry about anything. Everything, according to verse 7, everything is in the power of the Father's hand. He's in control. 
We don't have to worry about anything. Are you anxious and worried today? Hey, remember, the Father has everything in his hand. Everything is under control. What a blessing. What a powerful reminder to us. Well, that's not where Jesus, he answers that question. Don't worry about that, guys. He doesn't answer their question about if now is the time. He just says, don't worry about that, guys. Remember what I told you. This is what I want you to keep in mind. Let's look at verse 8, okay? Number one, don't worry about the times and seasons. But number two, be filled with the Spirit. Look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Now this program, this program that God had designed from the beginning to the end, this eternal purpose of God that I just tried to describe in some way, and I encourage you to read the first two chapters of the Bible and the last two chapters of the Bible to get excited about that program. This program has been going on throughout human history, but something huge, huge is about to happen. Jesus is about to ascend, and he's about to send the Holy Spirit to help us and empower us supernaturally to all get involved in this program called missions. This is huge. Jesus said, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Yes, God sent Joseph to save much people alive. And yes, God sent Abraham into a land he didn't even know where he was going. Thankfully, all these missionaries know where they're going, all right? Abraham didn't even know where he was going. God just sent him. And we go down through the scriptures and we see God sending and God sending and God sending missionaries throughout history. But you know what? Something big's about to happen. God's about to send 12 missionaries and they're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The world never seen anything like that. In one generation, the world was turned upside down for Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit is the one who made the difference in that activity. Be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18 says, Be not drunk with wine where is an excess, but be filled with the Spirit. That word filled means to be controlled. It doesn't mean like... You know, uh, last night when we had pizza here and uh, I went to fill my cup with the uh, a Coke. That's not what it's talking about, being filled, all right? It means to be controlled. That, that verse in Ephesians says you can either be influenced or controlled by alcohol or you can be filled or controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. And God wants us to choose to be filled or controlled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've seen somebody filled with rage and they do some bizarre things. I saw a guy, a, a, a delivery guy coming up, on this video I saw online, he, he was delivering a package and he tripped going up the stairs and immediately, immediately you could see this guy become filled or controlled with rage. He kicked the pumpkin off the porch. He kicked the whatever decoration was over on this side. He started throwing things around. It was, it, they had Halloween decorations out in the yard, little tombstones and stuff. He started kicking those things, breaking them over his leg. I mean, the guy just went berserk. That guy was filled with rage. He was controlled by his anger. And I can only imagine as that thing goes viral, he's going to look at that and say, how embarrassing I mean, I look like an idiot in that video. And he did. But you know what? He wasn't in his right mind. He was controlled by that anger in those few moments. 
moments that he'll never live down the rest of his life. You know what? God doesn't want us to be filled with alcohol or controlled with alcohol or controlled with rage or controlled with... He wants us to be filled with the Spirit of God. And that is a choice. Every moment of every day, we need to yield ourselves to the Spirit's control and choose to be filled with the Spirit. We need to stop trying to be better servants and witnesses for Christ, and we need to yield to the Spirit's control. Yesterday in Family Devotions, we were reading through Galatians, and we got to Galatians chapter 5, and those fruit of the flesh and those fruit of the Spirit. And those are, those are some pretty, pretty long and intense lists there. And, I, and I've heard messages, and I've read books. Uh, I once read a commentary on Galatians, a, a big commentary on Galatians, and probably a third to a half of that commentary was breaking down the fruit of the Spirit and how to love more and how to have more peace and how to have more joy. That's not what the fruit of the Spirit is all about. The fruit of the Spirit is you yield yourself to the Spirit of God and His control, and guess what fruit is going to be born in your life? By the Spirit of God. There's going to be love and joy and peace and long-suffering. You don't manufacture that. You don't try a little harder when you blow it to try a little bit harder in a missions conference, we're talking about around the corner and around the world. When, when the Holy Spirit prompts you to witness to somebody, you don't say, well, you know, I'm just going to try a little bit harder. No, yield to the Spirit's control and speak in the boldness and the power, as this verse says, of the Holy Spirit. It's not us trying. It's us dying, all right? We need to die and yield ourselves to the Spirit's control. Only the Spirit gives power. Only by the Spirit of God did these disciples that heard this message go out and turn the world upside down for Jesus Christ. It was the Spirit of God. Are we going out this week to try and be better Christians for Christ? Are we going to go out this week and die every morning and say, God, I can't do this. I'm going to yield to you. I want your Spirit to live through me I want him to bear. I want him to produce. I'm just going to bear the fruit of the Spirit because they're fruit of the Spirit. Well, that's what Jesus is saying to the disciples. Number one, guys, stop worrying about the times and the seasons. Stop worrying about any of this stuff. Let's, let's get to the meat. I only have a, two verses left here before I'm about to ascend, all right? Here's what I want you to remember. The Holy Spirit is coming and when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will have power you have never had before. And this is what I want you to do. Be filled with the Spirit and be witnesses unto me. Do you see that there? Go back to verse 8 again. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both now, please don't miss that word. Both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Oftentimes when this verse is referred to or quoted, it's often quoted like this. Now, maybe not quoted, but paraphrased like this. First, we need to reach our Jerusalem. And then we expand out to Judea. And then we expand out and, and it goes like that. But that's not what the verse says. Did you notice that? What was the word? It says, both Jerusalem 
and in all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. It's not a progression. It's a simultaneous around the corner and around the world at the same time. Both. That is our command. That is our instruction today. That is the theme of this missions conference this week. We need to be faithful witnesses, as Christ commands us in this verse, both around the corner and around the world. Notice it says, and ye shall be witnesses. Look, when you yield yourself to the Spirit's control, you will be a witness. If you look through the Acts and you see each time someone is filled with the Spirit of God without exception, they immediately go out and declare the gospel. Almost always it says, with boldness. What is the fruit or a fruit of a Spirit-filled believer? They are a bold witness for Jesus Christ. If I'm nervous and I'm anxious about witnessing to someone or going to that door and I don't even know who lives behind that door, you know what I need to do? I have got to yield myself to the Spirit's control because if the Spirit's in control of my life, the Bible says I will have power and boldness. Ye shall be witnesses. Now, not everybody in this room, and there, there are several here today, all right, not everybody in this room is a missionary. I know there's a nice little song about all of us being a missionary every day, all right? A missionary is someone who is sent to preach the gospel, make disciples, baptize, plant churches, all right? There are sent ones around the world who are called missionaries. But everybody in this room, according to the scriptures, is to be a witness. Every single one of us. If you're a spirit-filled Christian, you shall be witnesses unto me. If you, like me, struggle with being a faithful witness, it's a struggle with yielding ourselves to the Holy Spirit is what it is. Be witnesses. Now notice this phrase, unto me. It is so easy, once again, as Christians to get distracted, uh, to be witnesses of a church. And to be very faithful in inviting people to church. But he didn't say, be witnesses of your church. Uh, sometimes we are faithful in telling people about our pastor. My pastor is great. My pastor will help you through this situation. If you could just come and meet my pastor, he can help you with this marriage problem or this or this thing. All these things you're talking about. Let me, witness. Let me tell you about my pastor. No, that's not what the Bible says. Well... There are a lot of Christians easily distracted by politics. It's unbelievable to me. If we could just get this particular candidate in the White House and they can select these particular Supreme Court justices and this and that, then everything will be great in America and there will be utopia. No, we need to be witnesses of him. He's the only one that can solve our problems or the problems in this world. We need to be witnesses unto him. And how we need to keep that in focus. 
Yes, it's good to invite people to church, but it's much more important to invite them to the Lord Jesus Christ. Then invite them to church, all right? Let us be witnesses unto him, unto me, Jesus said. I'm so thankful uh, that as a 12-year-old boy, even though I had grown up in a Christian home, uh, was in a Christian school, um, had been baptized as a little boy, I'm thankful that an evangelist came to our church and preached the gospel. And the Holy Spirit convicted me, and uh, he shared his testimony kind of like I'm doing right now. And, and I looked at his life, and I thought, that, that's never happened to me. Uh, I've never become a new creature in Christ. I, I'm going to church. I'm, I'm trying to be a good boy and trying to obey my parents and so forth, but, but that's not happened to me. And that evening, I went home, and after hearing that gospel message that, that I was a sinner, well, I knew that. I knew I'd broken God's law, even though I was trying to be good. And, and as that message went on, he explained that the wages of sin is death and, and that those who die in their sins will spend eternity in the lake of fire forever and ever. And I knew I didn't want to go there. And I'm thankful that evangelist got to the good news, that God loves me, God loves you. He loves you so much. He sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross in my place, to die on the cross in your place for your sin. To pay for your sin, Jesus died. And that if we would repent and believe in him, we could be saved. I thought about that all the way home. In fact, I remember sitting in my chair, gripping my chair. We didn't have pews in that church. We had fold-up chairs. And I remember holding my chair, thinking, if, if we get in a car accident on the way home, I'm going to hell. And I was afraid. I was quiet all the way home and my parents and my brother went to bed and I got down on my knees by my bed as a 12-year-old boy and I said, God, I confess I'm a sinner. I know it. I confess with you. I agree with your word that I'm on my way to hell. I've never admitted that before. I'm not trusting in my parents. I'm not trusting in my baptism. I'm not trusting in my good works. I'm trusting in your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Your word says he died for me and I'm trusting in him to save me. God, please forgive me. Forgive me of my sin and give me that gift of eternal life. You know what happened that moment? I was saved. I didn't hear angels or music or anything going on. There's no light that shot in my bedroom, but my life changed that night. And I remember that very week, I remember that week, riding in the back seat of the car as my parents were driving us somewhere, and I saw a guy walking down the sidewalk, and I thought to myself, I wonder where that guy's going to spend eternity. I never thought about that before. You know what, when the Spirit of God comes in you, ye shall be witnesses unto me. It's natural. It's natural when the Spirit of God is in control. And I'm so thankful. As, uh, we've been talking a lot about God's call to preach and God's call to missions. Uh, like Joanna shared, I, I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what it was. But by the next year, after I trusted Christ within the next year, I would go to church and the Bible would be opened and, and the Holy Spirit of God was burdening my heart to preach. And I thought, God, that is crazy. I am like the shyest person in this church. There is no way. What, what about my brother? He loves standing up in front of people and doing skits and doing dramas. and the, the, he loved, Call him. And God kept working in my heart. 
I'd open my Bible and devotions. It didn't matter where I turned. I knew the Holy Spirit wanted me to surrender to preach. I'd go to church. It didn't matter what was preached. I knew God was burdening my heart to surrender to preach. You know what? After weeks of fighting with God, which, by the way, is not a fight you're going to win, all right? Just, just so you know that, okay? I hadn't learned that yet. I'm still learning that. But uh, I, I was struggling for weeks. I was arguing with God. God, you've got the wrong person. Then I figured it out. I thought, okay, I know what's going on here. God just wants me to surrender to that because obviously he can't use me as a preacher. I can't stand up in front of people. I can't look people in the eye. But, but I can't keep living like this either. I am miserable. And so I finally figured it out, my own mind, leaning on my own understanding. I went forward in a service and I got down on my knees and I said, God, I can't keep living like this. I know you can't use me as a preacher, but I have got to surrender. And so I want you to know that even though you can't use me as a preacher, I am surrendering to you. I will do whatever you want me to do. I have got to get this burden off of my heart. I surrender to whatever you want me to do. And you know what? God took me up on that. God began to work in my heart and change my personality, and I began to understand what it means to yield to the Spirit's control and allow Him to live through us. It was incredible. It was amazing what God was doing. We, we were in uh, that same church. We had just come to that church, and that church uh, had faith promise missions. And I'd never been involved in pr faith promise missions before. And I got excited about that. I had a, a little lawn care business at 12 years old. I went around the neighborhood handing out flyers and asking people if they wanted their grass cut. And that business grew in junior high, and it grew in, in, in high school. And so in junior high, I started... I had an income for the first time, and I got excited about missions. In junior high, I was given $15 a week to Faith Promise Missions, and that, that was exciting. I, I was beginning to understand what it, what it means to be faithful as a witness around the corner and around the world. Faith Promise Missions is one of those ways you can do that. I, I tried to be a faithful witness to neighbors. Uh, Jonathan Seelock and his twin sister, they trusted Christ as Savior there in our neighborhood, and our neighbor two, do two doors down, I just, just talked to him, um, well, Sunday now, so just last week, uh, talked to him, uh, he's a, a good friend that grew up in the neighborhood, started coming to our youth group, trusted Christ as Savior, made a profession of faith, and uh, being a witness, that, but you know what, I got excited about also around the world, that I could cut grass in Indiana and put my money in faith promise, and God was using that to fulfill his eternal purpose in calling people in different tribes around the world when I would put $15 in an offering plate on Sunday. I got excited about that. And that excitement grew, and as my business grew and was able to get a car and, and, and put the lawnmower in the back of that hatchback and drive all over town and, and start to expand that and so forth, I got excited about giving more and more and more to Faith Promise Mission so that I could be a witness around the corner and around the world. I don't know what God is doing in, in your heart. But I remember as I grew and learned to yield to him each day and went to Bible college as a Bible major, I didn't know what God wanted me to do. I just wanted to be ready to do whatever. I, I believed he'd called me to preach, and, and I didn't know what that was going to look like, but I wanted to be ready and went to Bible college. And my freshman summer, that summer I was working at a Christian camp, and a man came to the camp and he preached from Matthew chapter 28. 
And I'm sad to say, after growing up in a Christian home, Christian school, already attended one year of Bible college, for the first time in my life, I realized the Great Commission is a command. I was willing. I was willing. God, if, if you call me to be a missionary, I'm willing to go. But that's not what the Bible says. If, if we have a missions conference this week and everybody in this room leaves at the end of the week being willing to go to the mission field, but nobody goes to the mission field, we'll, we'll have failed. I appreciate that song you sang, Brother Josh. Did you notice the progression in that song? I am willing, I am ready, I am longing to go. Something happened that night in that family camp, at that camp. I went from willing to obediently ready to go. God never asked us to be ready to go to the mission field. He asked us to go. He asked all of us in here to go. Are you going around the corner, around the world? Are you going? That night as a teenager, between my freshman and sophomore years of Bible college, I came forward, I said, God, I... You've commanded me to go into all the world and make disciples, and I'm not doing that, so I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm going to go. Three of us came forward in that service. Two of us ended up as missionaries in Africa. You just said, God said, go, we're going to go. Maybe there's someone here today, and you came into church, and you say, all right, it's missions conference time. God, if, if you call me, I'll be willing to go. And maybe you just realized in these past few moments, as I've shared my testimony, God's not asking you to be willing to go. He's commanding you to go. Now, if he calls you to stay here in this area, you better listen to that call. But he's commanded you to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Maybe there's someone here today who would say, you know what, I'm, I'm shifting from willing, and, I, and I'm ready to go. I'm going. I'm longing to go. God, I'm going to follow you to the ends of the earth. Wherever you lead, I will follow. And beginning today, I am going. I'm not going to sit content willing. I am obediently going from this day forward. Around the corner, around the world, both. So we've seen today in our three points, not to worry about the times and the seasons. Number two, to be filled with the Spirit of God. And number three, to be witnesses unto me. Be witnesses unto me. As I round up with this application, all of us in this room, all of us need to be giving to missions. I appreciate that testimony. Brother Capel and whoever it was saying that as they raised their family from the youngest in the family everybody can give something. If we're commanded to be faithful witnesses both here and around the world, how can we do that? Faith promise giving is one of those ways. We all can get involved in giving to missions. And some of us may need to decide this week to give more. All of us need to give something. And I hope this week we're all challenged 
to give more. Secondly, all of us need to pray. The Apostle Paul talked about the importance of prayer and missions over and over and over again. He said, labor together with us in your prayers to God for us. You want to be a laborer around the world while being a faithful witness here in the United States, here in your community? Pray for your missionaries. Labor together with them in your prayers. And then finally, as I've already said, all of us need to go as witnesses. All of us should be daily faithful witnesses. But maybe there's someone here today, this morning, right, right here at the beginning of our missions conference, and you realize today God has commanded you to go to the uttermost part of the earth. These are his last words to his disciples. Let me read them again. When they therefore had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, what will what wilt thou, excuse me, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. I believe, as I heard last night, Pastor and the others that were gathered here last night in this room to pour out our hearts in prayer for this conference, I believe that God wants someone in this conference this week to say, I'm moving from willing and I am moving into obedience. I am going to the uttermost part of the earth. Because God said, go. Jesus said, go. He said he would fill me with his power. He would send his Holy Spirit. And I am going to the uttermost part of the earth. And if someone does do that this week, I know that this church, because you've already done it multiple times, will rally and partner with that missionary, that surrendered servant, that obedient servant, and I know this church will say, we will be faithful to partner with you. We're going to be faithful witnesses here around the corner, but we're going to be faithful sending you around the world to be a faithful missionary for the Lord Jesus Christ in a tribe and in a nation that still needs the gospel. A tribe that God wants to see reflected in that eternal purpose of those from every kindred, tribe, people, and nation worshiping and serving him forever. Let's all stand together. I'm going to close in prayer and turn it over to Pastor Ledbetter. Let us pray. Father, I want to thank you this morning for your word, the Bible, for this special revelation that you've given to us. You've explained your program and then you invited us to get involved by faith and obedience. Father, I thank you for this day and age that we live in that we can yield to your Spirit's control and the person of the Holy Spirit will control our lives and fill us with boldness and give us the words to say to be a faithful witness. But God, there's such a need 
There are so many areas where your program is lacking. Tribes without a single gospel witness in multiple countries and places around the world. Oh Lord, would you raise up laborers from this church who would say this week, I'm not going to be content to be willing. I must go because God said go and I will obey. Oh Lord, Lord of the harvest, send forth laborers from this church as you have in the past. Do it again this year. Send forth laborers from this church, I pray in Jesus' name.